Okay, so today's daf is Ein Dalit in Yoma. We are on Ein Gimbal Amud Bet. We're new parak. Bezrat Hashem Yoma Kippurim. This is the parak that is the most practical, the one that is the most discussed because it deals with the observance of Yom Kippur as we have it today. Uh, the fasts of Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippurim asur b'achilav b'shtiyav b'chitzav b'sichav v'nilata sandal v'tashmisha mita. These are the five inuyim, the five. Uh, abstentions of Yom Kippur. One is, so we have eating and drinking, we have washing, we have anointing with oil. Nilata Sandal is wearing leather shoes, although we'll see more discussion of that. We're going to see each one of these, of course, discussed in a lot of detail as we move forward. Marital relations. The, the, um, the king or a new bride, they are allowed to uh, wash their face because in, in the case of the king, because he has to look handsome and uh, presentable to the people. In the case of the bride, because she's still in uh, 30 days uh, of marriage, within the fir- 30 days of her, her being a newlywed, she has to uh, look beautiful for her husband as they're establishing their relationship. And uh, so she could wash her face. Chaya here is talking about a woman who's a yoleded, who had a uh, baby recently. Tin oleta sandal. Rabbi Eliezer says that a uh, woman who has recently given birth because she has difficulty with the cold of the floor. So therefore she's allowed to wear shoes. The rabbis say no. We'll get into what the reason is. Uh, for that, actually, the three exceptions in the Mishnah are all from Rabbi Eliezer. The one about the king, the one about the bride, and the one about the, uh, the Yoledet. They're all from Rabbi Eliezer, and the Chachamim disagree with them, as we're going to see in the, Mish- in the, Gemara, the upcoming Gemara. A person who eats in the amount of a large date, the size of it and its pit. In other words, the volume of a date, basically. That is the amount that is, uh, one is liable for in Yom Kippur that's different than all other Isra'i Achila in the Torah, all other prohibitions in the Torah of eating go by a kazait. And Yom Kippur goes by a kechotevet, uh, which means like a uh, date. And a person who swallows a cheekful chayav. So in that case, it's actually more stringent because in the case of eating... Um, it's more lenient, so to speak, because you have to eat more. You have to eat the size of a date. An olive size is not enough. But in the case of um, of drinking, only a cheekful is already considered to be uh, you're liable, even though it's, it doesn't have to be a revi'it on, on Yom Kippur, right? Depends, depends on the person. It's going to depend on the person. All kinds of foods combine to uh, make up the date size, meaning it doesn't have to be a date size of one food. So again, it's not like when you're eating prohibited foods, if you eat a tiny bit of chilev and a tiny bit of this and a tiny bit of that and it makes up a kazai, you didn't eat a kazai of one prohibited food, so you wouldn't be liable for any violation. But here, since it's about the fact that the person ate something that gave him satisfaction, it doesn't matter that he ate a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. What matters is the total quantity, so it makes logical sense, right? Same thing is true, that all beverages combined for the measure because the main point is that you had a drink. It's not, not what you drank, that you had a drop of this and a drop of that. It doesn't matter because it's not a prohibited food. It's a prohibited action because of the person's benefit from it. However, a person who eats and drinks, that doesn't combine. So if a person had a small amount of food and a small amount of uh, liquid, that's not going to combine to be to say that, oh, well, eating and drinking are kind of like the same thing, just one is in liquid form and one is in solid form, so we could combine them together. Since they're measured on different scales and in different ways, we don't look at them as the same action at all. Uh, and even though if you look at the uh, the five inuyim, 
it, they're counted as one. Eating and drinking is counted as one. But still, um, since they're different actions, you can't combine the measurements. You can't say, well, I drank uh, this amount and then I ate less than a, less than a date, but I'm going to combine what I drank with what I ate because it's two different, uh, two different actions. So Gemara says, Asur, how could... How could soup that is liquidy. Right, so that would be you would separate between something you drink, yeah, something you drink, something you eat. Now the Gemara says uh, asur. Why does it say asur? Forbidden. Forbidden usually means something lighter, you know, a lighter kind of thing, a prohibited on Yom Kippur. Anushka, it says anushkaretu. Really, it's something that you're punished with karet. It's much more stringent. Uh, it should say chayav, right? It should say the word chayav. Usually, if it's talking about something that you are. Um, that you get correct. It doesn't say asur. It says chayav. That a person who does this is chayav is liable for karet. This is coming to tell you that even if a person has chatzishi or less than the measurement that is restricted, in other words, in order to get karet, you have to eat a full, you know, full amount. But even less than that, chatzishi or doesn't mean literally fifty percent. It means less than the measurement is also prohibited. That makes a sense, sense according to the view that says that even eating less than a measurement, like a little taste of something that's prohibited, is also forbidden from the Torah. It's just that you don't get punished for it. But what about the view that says that actually chatzishur is not biblically prohibited? A tiny bit of, uh, of pork that you eat is, only, is not biblically prohibited. Because we see it was stated, Now that's actually the halacha. Rabbi Yochanan says, that even if you eat less than a kazait, let's say, of a forbidden thing, it's still forbidden to do that. You just don't have any penalty. Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish says, actually, the Torah doesn't forbid such a small amount at all. You're not violating any biblical prohibition at all, according to Reish Lakish, if you eat less. So according to him, we have the problem of why does it say asur in our Mishnah, since there's, according to him, only black and white. It's either you're liable or you didn't do anything, according to Reish Lakish. That's what it sounds like. Now, so, uh, so the, the point is, there's no gray area. In other words, there's no matter of degree according to, to Reish Lakish. According to Rabbi Yochanan, it's very simple. If you, eat, if you eat a full amount, then you're liable. If you eat less than the full amount, it's forbidden still by the Torah. It's just that you don't have a penalty. Okay? But according to Reish Lakish, if you eat less than the amount, it's not forbidden at all according to the Torah. So how is he going to explain the word Asur in the Mishnah? Very simple. Reish Lakish will tell you that Asur means Midorabanan, meaning even if you have less than the requisite measurement, it's Asur Midorabanan. If that's true, that according to Reish Lakish, there is a bi- there is a rabbinic prohibition. In other words, everybody agrees that chatzishur is asur. They're just qu- the question is going to be deoraita or derabanan. That's the only question. So then, why should you be liable for korban shvua? For a fo- for an oath that you violate, we'll see what that means in a second. Alamatnan, why does it say in the Mishnah as follows? Shvashelo ochal. If a person makes an oath that he will not eat, vachal nevelot utrefot shkatim romasim chayav, and he ate all kinds of prohibited foods, nevelat trefa, all kinds of things, chayav is still liable. Rabbi Shimon poter. Rabbi Shimon says he is not liable. So vahavenan, but we ask, amai chayav, why is he liable? Mushba v'omed me'ar sinayu. He's already, he's already bound by an oath from Har Sinai. In other words, if you swear you're not going to eat pork, that doesn't mean anything. You say, I make a shvu'ah, I'm not going to eat pork. What, what, you already have an obligation not to eat pork. You can't add to that. You already, it doesn't add anything. Right? So why should you be, li- if the person made an oath that they're not going to eat 
uh, non-kosher food, it doesn't make any difference because they're already liable, not, they're already obligated not to eat non-kosher food. It doesn't add anything. Right? So we asked, ha, that's what it twice. means. You're no, you're not. Because no. Mushbav Omed Mar Sinayu. It's already, you can't add on. It's, that's it. You're not going to be even liable anything for the Shavuah. You're just going to be liable for what you already prohibited. Right? So now it says, Rabu Shmuel Rabbi Yochanan, the Amrei Bikolel Dvarim Mutarim Dvarim Asurin. It's called Isur Kolel, which means to say, if a person says, I won't eat any Thing today, yeah. right? Then, no matter what they eat, it's good. Now, even things that are prohibited are also going to be included in that because it's called Isur Kolel. In other words, since the prohibition that you made, the Shvu'ah that you made, applies to the things that are permitted, right? So it also will apply to the things that are forbidden. But if you only swore not to eat things that you're already prohibited from eating, then it doesn't make any, it's not going to add anything. But if it's, if it's prohibiting more things, so then it will also include the things that are non-kosher. But Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold like that. Rabbi Shimon says only the things that have, that are permitted to you before become prohibited. So therefore, if you made an oath that you're not going to eat pork and you went and you ate, I'm sorry, that you were not going to eat anything and you went and ate pork, according to him, that was prohibited because of pork, not because of the shvu'ah. So you're not going to have to bring a korban for violating your shvu'ah. You're only going to have to get makot for eating the pork. Yeah. According to Chachamim, since your shvu'ah was general, that you're not going to eat anything, let's say, on a particular day. So you did two violations. You violated your Shavuah, and also you ate pork. So you did two bad things in that case, according to Chachamim, according to Rabbi Shimon, Patur. So that's only, that's what Rabbi Yochanan says. But Rish Lakish says, Reish Lakish had a different answer. He said, no, the only case where this is going to apply is where Mifaresh Chatzishur. He doesn't take the idea of Isur Kolel, that it's talking about where you included more things. He says that, that this is talking about a case shiur. In other words, if a person, since Reish Lakish says that less than a shiur is not an isur delraita, so he says, yeah, so the person said, I'm going to eat, I, I make an oath, I won't even eat half a kazayat of pork. So that, since that wasn't prohibited by the Torah, so now your oath can prohibit it. And if you go and you eat it, you're going to be liable for violating your oath, even though you're not going to be liable for eating pork, according to Reish Lakish. And according to Rabbi Akiva, who says that whenever a person makes a shvu'ah, they mean, they intend kol shehu, they intend the tiniest amount, then he wouldn't even have to explain that. In other words, according to Reish Lakish, if a person, according to Rabbi Akiva, if a person said, I swear that I won't have pork, he means I swear that I won't have a drop of pork. Okay? And therefore, it's automatically going to be chatzishi or. The point is that according to Reish Lakish, the, the, uh, a person who will be liable for a vow not to, could be liable for a vow not to eat pork, even if the only thing he mentioned was pork, or he could be liable for a vow not to eat uh, non-kosher meat, even if the only thing he mentioned was non-kosher meat, because he mentions even less than the measurement. Okay? That's why. So you see that he holds that it's permitted actually to eat less than the measurement because the shvu'ah is prohibiting it. Okay, now, now the Gemara says, So maybe you'll say, no, Reish Lakish holds that it's, that's rabbinically prohibited. But from the perspective of the Torah, the rabbinic prohibition doesn't exist. Meaning, I can, now I made it a biblical prohibition. I added something because it was rabbinically prohibited before, let's say, to eat half of the measurement according to Reish Lakish. You don't have to assume that he means it's totally permitted. Maybe it's rabbinically prohibited. 
But I added by making my shvuah. Now it's biblically prohibited. That's why it makes a, that makes a difference according to Reish Lakish. It says that's not true. Why? Because that's not according to the Gemara is saying. You can see that even rabbinic prohibitions are recognized by the by the biblical institution of shvu, uh, of making an oath. How so? That's not. We learned in the Mishnah shvuata idut enanoheget elberuin laid. That if a shvuat ha'idut, we learned about it in Masechet Shvuat, where, where they make you swear that you don't know testimony. A person says, I don't want to testify. Okay, you have to make a shvuat that you don't know testimony about this case. You say, you make the shvuat, and then it turns out that you, you feel guilty afterwards, you admit that you did, right? Now that shvuat only applies to somebody who actually could testify. If you can't testify, so then what difference does it make that you, uh, that you know the testimony? Meaning if you're not a, an ed kasher, you're not a kosher oh, witness, okay. so what difference does it make, right? And so we asked, and we said, what does this come to exclude? So Rav Papa said that's to exclude the king. In other words, since the king can never be put on the stand to testify because it's considered disrespectful, right? So therefore, the fact that he knows testim- that he swore that he doesn't know testimony is irrelevant because he can't testify anyway. And Rabbi Achaba Yaakov said, a gambler also cannot testify. We're talking about a professional gambler, right? So you see that even though the gambler is only rabbinically prohibited from testifying in court, Still, we say that if he makes an, if he denies knowing testimony and he's, and he says an oath that he doesn't know testimony, it's not considered to be a, uh, uh, um, a, uh, even though biblically he could come, meaning according to the Torah, even the gambler could testify in court. So really the fact that he knows testimony makes a difference from the, if you imagine that we look at it from two different glasses. If you're wearing the glasses of the Deoraita, you see the guy who's Misachik Bekuvia is a gambler. He's a perfectly good uh, witness. Only the rabbis in their glasses, so, you know, you put on the rab- rabbinic glasses, all of a sudden you see a prohibited person. So it's saying the Shvuot are operating from the biblical perspective. And, right, that's what you might assume. And therefore, they see this guy as an Ed Kasher. He's a good Ed because according to the Torah, he's not an Ed Pasul. But they, the, the Gemara is saying, no, that's not true. Even though he's only rabbinically prohibited to testify, the Torah says that's a person who's prohibited to testify. And therefore, the fact that he swore that he wouldn't come testify doesn't make any difference. And so here too, if Rish Lakish thought that Chatsi Shi'ur is rabbinically prohibited, meaning that half kazayit of pork that the guy ate, according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's biblically prohibited. There's just no penalty. According to Rish Lakish, it's rabbinically prohibited. So then how could an oath not to eat it make a difference? Because it already is prohibited. It doesn't matter that it's prohibited rabbinically. It's prohibited. So what are you adding by making a shvuah? Nothing. We see that the Torah rec- says that that's considered a prohibited thing. But the Gemara answers, Shanei Atam, Tamarka im lo yagid, vehai lav bar klal. The answer is, and now we can actually come back to our, we haven't proven it either way, but we can defend Rish, the idea that Rish Lakish agrees that Chatzishur uh, is Asur Midir How? Because and there's a difference between an Isur de Rabbanan and the case of Edut. Why? Because the case of Edut is a practical thing. Practically, since this person is barred from testimony, he can't give testimony. So it doesn't matter whether it's rabbinic 
or whether it is biblical. The, the thing is, it says, Im lo yegid If he doesn't give testimony and he, and he denies knowing testimony, then he's in trouble. But I'm, I'm not allowed to give testimony anyway. What difference does it matter if my inability is rabbinic or my inability is biblical? The bottom line is, practically, he can't give testimony, so his oath doesn't really accomplish anything, doesn't really do anything because he could he couldn't give testimony anyway. But when it comes to rabbinic prohibitions, it could be that rabbinic prohibition, right, is still considered to be, uh, you could still have a shvu'ah that will fall under rabbinic prohibition. Because from the perspective of the Torah, that half of a kazayit of pork is permitted to you. And therefore, when you make an oath, you're making it biblically prohibited. You're adding something. That's different than the case of Shvata Edut, because in the case of Shvata Edut, we don't care whether it's biblical or rabbinic. We just care whether the guy is allowed to come to the Din and say testimony, and he's not. So the bottom line is that the fact that he avoids saying testimony is, doesn't, uh, doesn't mean anything, because he's not allowed to anyway, bottom line. Right? Now, when it comes to Chatzishi or half a kazayit of pork, so there, it's only rabbinically prohibited. So from the perspective of the Torah, it's permitted. So when the guy says, I make an oath, and now he's elevating it to a biblical prohibition, it could apply to that. So therefore, the Gemara is now operating with the assumption that Resh Lakish says that half a shiur is a sur midzorabanan, just not deoraita, and Rabbi Yochanan deoraita. And that's why our Mishnah could be sustained, because even though the, uh, the, the our Mishnah is saying that even if a person eats or drinks less than the measurement, it's at least rabbinically prohibited according to Rish Lakish, and even biblically prohibited according to Rabbi Yochanan, just not as stringent as the full measurement. Okay? How that's the. Or regarding same thing. If they say Ashwat, they do it, it doesn't mean anything. Can I give testimony about money either? Or about anything. It's not an aid, so. But can you give testimony? I mean, no. He's an honest person. Just it doesn't person. matter. No. He can't be. No. Is that a question? Robin, Robin, quick question. There is a murder, okay? There is a Shrekubia, a regular person. So the murder is going to go out because of, uh, the guy is Shrekubia? What if the guy is any other aid puzzle? What if he's related to him and he sees him kill somebody also? Most murders happen, like, in a, let's say a murder happens in front of the family. They can't come and testify. <laughs> so he's also going to go for it. Yeah, according to the Torah, they can't. So, the, I mean, there's many, many people who can't testify. That's just one no, example. No, no. Yeah. Automatic is out. But oh, his whole family could see him be murdered in front of them. They be murdered, and they can't testify. Wow. That's what we're going to do. Okay. <laughs> so the whole problem started with the assumption that since it says the word asur, it means not with karet, because uh, it was saying, uh, why does it say asur instead of chayav? Right? Is that true? It says in the Brayta that even though they said it's prohibited, they only said there's karet on eating, drinking, and doing blacha. So you see from that that the word asur could mean karet also. Right? The word asur could be used even for karet because it's saying we say asur for all of the inuyim. All of the five Inuyim we say Asur, all of the five prohibitions of Yom Kippur, but the only Karet is on two, or is on two of them, meaning eating and drinking, which is really one, and, and Melacha. Meaning, but it's using the word Asur to refer also to the things that, are, that have Karet. What's the Havamina that Asur is not Karet? Because it uses the word Chayav all the time. That's what I was saying before. Normally, it uses the word Chayav. Now it says, Hachikamar, Kishamru Asur, lo amru ela shiur. What it should say in the Brayta is, when is it say asur? Only when it's less than the measurement. But when there's a measurement, there's karet. In other words, it basically amends the Brayta to say that asur is referring to when it's less than the measurement. Okay? When there is a measurement, 
now it could be that there's, that, that there's karet even. Okay, but only when there is a measurement and only for eating and drinking and for doing lacha. Okay, alternatively, alternatively, when it says the word asur, it had to measure, it had to mention all of the prohibited things, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore, it, when it's saying asur, it's referring only to the things that are not karet, because it can't say chayav, it can't say somebody who does all five of the things on Yom Kippur is chayav, because that wouldn't be correct, because you're only chayav karet for the two, for, for the eating and drinking. Or, or for the malacha. So, so therefore it has to use the word asur, which is more generic term, more general, because it's referring to the ones that are, that don't carry karet. Right, Bamidbar and Varim, in the Halachic Midrash, they said, where do we know that Yom Kippur is Asur in washing and in anointing and wearing shoes and marital relations, right? How do we know that it's Asur? Notice they use the word Asur because it's not Chayav Karet, those things. That's only Asur, not Chayav Karet. Talmud Lomar, Shabbaton, because it calls it Shabbat Shabbaton, right? It says that, uh, that, uh, that uh, Yom Kippur is a, sh- a big Shabbat, Shabbat Shabbaton, which means Shavuot, rest, make additional abstentions, things that you don't do um, on, uh, on, on Yom Kippur and Rashi. He says, right? So it says that uh, just like the word Shabbaton comes to, when, by Shabbat comes to include additional prohibitions that you have to rest from even more than the main Melachot on Shabbat, so too the word Shabbaton with Yom Kippur expands the category of Inui of abstention from pleasure to even to things that are not the main ones. The main ones are eating and drinking, but it extends that. Okay, now the, now we go back to what we said before, Gufa. So now the question is, what's the, we're revisiting this machloket, and this is actually the core um, discussion of this issue in the Shas, is where they discuss, Chatzish is it prohibited biblically or rabbinically? Or, or not, it doesn't even say rabbinically, Rish Lakish says, permitted from the Torah, okay? So now what's the logic behind each side? So, Rabbi Yochanan has a very basic logical point. He said, look, if the person's eating something and he eats a kazayit of it, he becomes liable. So what are you going to say? For the first half, he wasn't eating anything, he wasn't doing anything wrong? How could that be? He reaches the measure of a kazayit, now he's liable. Chazel itzarufe means it could combine with more, meaning you had a piece of the pork, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So if you're going to say each bite that he took wasn't really prohibited, so then when you get to the full amount, it also wasn't prohibited. Each one is discounted off. Don't right? has to be in a certain time frame. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Still, he's eating a little bit. Right? That's no, the, the right, right. That's, that's according to everybody has to be within a certain time frame. But the question is when he eats a little bit, since he could eat a little bit more and make it a kazait, right now he could eat a little bit more and make it a kazait, how could you say the half that he ate is not prohibited? So then, in other words, if you discount, it's like a mavir rishon rishon, you know, when the person, when it talks about Hashem forgives the first, so what happens, but then if you keep doing it, then he brings, brings it back, right? But the point is that, right, yeah, if you eat, if you eat a little bit, right, and then you, um, and, and, and you get a discount for that. And you eat a little bit more, you get a discount for that. And then you come to the last piece that finishes the kazait. You say, well, yeah, well, I got the discount on the first two. So I still didn't eat a kazait. Right? So, so that's why it says, Since the little bit that you're eating could combine with more and make the full kazait. So then, of course, it's prohibited too. But Resh Lakish says, no. Resh Lakish says, Mutar Why? Because, It says eating, not tasting. 
says achila. Achila means a minimum of kazait. So you didn't do a. It's not. In other words, according to Resh Lakish, the problem is according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's a matter of degree, and according to Rabbi uh, Resh Lakish, it's a matter of kind or a matter of qualitative. In other words, according to Rabbi Yochanan. Eating, when you take a tiny bite, you're also eating. It's just that you have to eat a certain amount to be liable. According, so, but you ate some pork, you just only ate a small amount. According to Rish Lakish, it's not called achila until you get to a kazait. Anything less than that, we call it tasting. We call it something else. Nibbling. I don't know, but it's not called eating until you get to kazait. You didn't do anything biblically recognized until you get to kazait. Kazait means olive. What size? A regular small, small olive, you know, medium size, medium, medium sized volume, medium sized olive. Oh, go to the store, see those cans that they say medium olive. You know, they have large, they have medium, they have small. Take it and look. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah it should be medium. But, but again, yeah. what? It's a different thing. No, but it used to be different sizes. That people say that because they're getting confused with things, but it's not true. We have olive trees that are a thousand years old. Look, it's, it's the same. They have very, very old olive trees in the Middle East that are maybe, you know, been around for thousands of years. They have the same olives. Those were not zetim. That was, uh, they didn't bring zetim. They bought grapes. Why would the halakha be based on that? We don't have that. Kazaid was made so that they could see how much the measurement is from what they saw. Like they can't see what the Raglim had thousands of years ago. You can only see it all up in front of it. For Kazai to the Beit Right? The, something like that. But that, and that makes sense because it's sort of like four Alves' yeah. fits. Yeah. Somebody said that the Ashkenazim never saw Kazai. That's true. They didn't have it in Europe. So all of the rabbis were trying to figure out what the size of a, of a olive was from figuring out what the Gemara says. It's less than an, an egg. So they thought that, oh, it must be a little bit less than an egg, a Zayi. But that's, there's no Zayi that big. Yeah, anyway, so the, the, the point is that therefore, um, therefore, it's, so that's the machloket between them. Now, Rabbi Yochanan objected to Rishlakish. This Brighta says, I only know that anyone who violates a prohibition where they're going to have a punishment is also violating the prohibition. In other words, the prohibition is what we call coextensive with the punishment. Any, any violation. Uh, will be for only the level of the punishment, right? How do I know that uh, even a case so that so that it says where an animal that we don't know if it's a beima or chaya, so therefore we don't know if the chelev is prohibited or permitted, or you have chatzishi So in those cases, you don't have a penalty. Since it does, it's not included in the onesh and the punishment. Maybe you'll say it's not prohibited. Talmud lomar kol chelev. Right, that's why the pasuk says kol chelav. You can't have any chelav. Kol chelav shor v'chesav ha'ez lo tochelu. Meaning, even if you have less than the measurement, it's biblically prohibited. Even if you have from a koi, which is a kind of a doubtful case, it's prohibited. So now, the, so it says no midrabanan. That's only a rabbinic. Ukras machta be'alma. So Rish Lakish will say that pasuk is just being brought as a kind of asmachta. Asmachta means it's kind of a hint in the pasuk. But really, chatzishur is only asur midrabanan, not midraita according to Rish Lakish. Okay, but achinam. And in fact, that makes more sense. Mistabra. This al gadadach deoraita koi svekau. It's echkala tresveka. Koi wouldn't fit in because koi is not a case where we where it's rabbinically prohibited. It's a case where we don't know. Doubt is different than rabbinic prohibition. In other words, a koi, we don't know. Either it's definitely okay or it's definitely not okay. We just don't know. Because it sort of has, it has like 
features in common with the chayav, features in common with the beimah, they couldn't categorize it, yeah. right? So like, so basically the, the, the thing don't is, it's different. That's why we don't eat it, but I'm, that's a safek. That's what it's saying. That's what it's saying. You don't punish somebody for safek they'll write it because maybe what they ate isn't permitted. Okay? So, so the chaylev in that case is either really yes or no. We just don't know. Right? So you, why do you have a pasuk to tell you that? You don't need a pasuk to tell you, oh, by the way, if you don't know, you also shouldn't do it. Well, yeah, obviously, right? So, the, so, so it makes more sense that it's making a rabbinic statement. Chatsi shi'ur, asrumi d'rabanan. The koi, asrumi d'rabanan. They actually bring this as a, uh, um, a, a possible support for the Rambam, because the Rambam said that safek de'oraita l'chumra is d'rabanan. Really, safek de'oraita l'chumra. Right, kol chelav, any chelav, meaning even the smallest amount, and even of a case of a safek, it's saying it would include. Can't what? It's a sur midi oraita chelav shel beimah. It's kare, isur karet. I don't. Is it a chaya or beimah? It might be a chaya. Okay. If it's a chaya, then it's mutar. Only animals that you use a korban are the chelav. I'm not sure what the species is. I'm not sure. I don't it's know. not obligated to bring a korban for... for he wouldn't bring a korban right. because it's either it's a suffix. Right. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. There's, there's no korban yeah. required. Yeah. So now the Gemara says, Ha'im halo iria. That is not a good argument. Why? Because kasafrei koi that no, there's there's two different opinions about this koi. One says that this koi is a suffix. It's either a beimah or chaya. And we don't know which one it is. And so our for our ignorance, we're not going to say for our ignorance, it said that the Pasuk is talking about where we are ignorant. That doesn't make any sense. However, it could be that it's a It's a separate category altogether. And so the Pasuk is actually coming to include it in the prohibition because it's not a Bema or a Chaya. It's not that it's either one and we don't know. It's a, it's, it's a different category and we don't know. Dilote Machi, because if, that, if you don't assume that, the Hadda Amarav Idi Baravin, Afkol... Right, so in another case we have the word kol, and he says to bring the koi, which is talking over there about blood, eating of blood. Right, so koi is fekau. It's a rechkra, the rabbi is fekau. Why do we, since we know that you're not allowed to eat the blood of a beima or a chaya or of, so why would you have to mention that koi is included? Ah, because ela bria, right, so rather because it's a different. Entity, sorry, Chanea, right? Hachanami, In other words, there's two opinions about koi. One is that it's a safek. If it's just a safek, it's either a beimah or a chaya, but we don't know. That's like a tum tum, where we don't know. He's either a boy or a girl. We don't know, right? So that that means that there's a reality, and we just don't know the reality. So it fits in one or the other. You don't need a pasuk for that. We just don't know. But if you say it's a third category. Right? It's a third category. It's not Bema or Chaya, different category. So that means that um, that you need a Pasuk to tell you that it would be included in the prohibition of blood, of Chelev. It wouldn't be on the same level as Bema or Chaya, maybe, but it would be it have to be included by a Pasuk. And so therefore we could say that Chatsi Shi'ur and that Braita is also talking about Deoraita. That it's prohibited Deoraita. You could argue like Reish Lakish that it means Deorabanan, but you could also argue that it means Deoraita like Rabbi Yochanan. Tanu Abanan, Tanu Adnavshotechem. You should torture yourselves, okay? You should, you should afflict yourself. Maybe you'll think you should sit in the hot sun or sit in the cold, right? They should stay there and you'll be, you'll be suffering. Or you could just go to uh, one of our candy stores that had the air conditioner is too high. And you could, you know, you'll be okay. Right? In, in, yeah, it, I think in, in Shari Racham it was always so cold in there. It was very cold, right? There was extremes. Extreme temperatures. Right? Yeah, 
אני אמור לתפרפרדס, תנו רבנן, סוס תלמוד לומר, וכל מלאכלות אסור, מה מלאכה שווה אל תעשה, אף עינוי נפש שווה אל תעשה. ועינוי is talking about something which is an abstention, something you don't do, not something you do. So going to sit in the hot or cold would be a positive action. We're talking about negative. Right, so ואמה אחד יתיב ושבשה וחיים לי, לא נמלא קום טוב בתולה. Right? So fine, we'll say that if a person sitting in the sun, we'll, we won't tell them to move, just stay there. You'll be still be hot. And if the person's sitting in the cold, we tell them to stay there. In other words, that's another type of inui. Right? So it says, no. The problem is that it's going to be different, that a person who's in the heat is going to be, you know, uh, is, you know, is, is going to have that idea of not moving. And a person's in the cold is going to have the idea of not moving, but everybody else won't have let's say they're in a perfectly regulated temperature so they're not going to have any Inui then right unless they put themselves in the Inui and you just said that you don't have to do anything to create Inui you just have to keep you have to abstain right so therefore it won't work heat and cold you might have thought that you should sit in the heat or the cold and be tortured how do we know what the word Inui means the whole point here is that the word Inui of, uh, of affliction is vague, right? It has a lot of meanings. So how do you know what Inui means? So it says, just like Mlacha, when it says, don't do Mlacha Yom Kippur, it's referring to a type of action which is prohibited in other contexts, like on, Rosh, on, on, on Shabbat. So, so too, when it says, afflict yourself, it's referring to something which is also prohibited in other occasions, meaning eating and drinking certain foods and drinks are prohibited in other contexts. It's talking about something that's prohibited in other cases. Right, so it says, what's an example of an eating of food that's prohibited in other cases? Pigul, the korban that is invalid, the notah, the leftover korban, or the pigul, where the kohen did the korban with the wrong intention. So you see there are things that are forbidden for eating. So inui is referring to forbidden eating. So, but that, then, avi pigul v'notar shen bekaret, maybe you're only not allowed to eat things that are asur bekaret, v'lo avi et ha-tevel sheno bekaret. How do I know that tevel is also, I can't eat tevel, I can't eat uh, untithed produce on Yom Kippur, since it's only a mitah b'yedei shamayim. Talmud lomar, te'anu, v'initem et nafshotechem riba. So that's why the pasuk says, v'initem et nafshotechem and te'anu et nafshotechem, it says it twice, to tell you it includes everything. Avi et-tevel shu b'mitah, v'lo avi et-nevela shi b'mitah, maybe I'll say that I should, she'ena b'mitah, Maybe I should bring tevel, but say nevela, which is not a death penalty. I should be able to eat it. Talmud lamar teanu v'initem et nafshotechem riba. In other words, it's saying the same thing again and again that all these prohibited foods, of course, are included in the prohibition. Aveta nevela shu belav velo aveta cholin shenan belav. Maybe I'm just not allowed to eat prohibited foods on Yom Kippur, but permitted foods that don't have any prohibition, maybe it's allowed. Talmud lamar teanu v'initem et nafshotechem. It says twice to afflict yourself. Riba, which comes to include all foods. Aveta cholin shenan bekum achol. Now we get into something interesting. Right? I could understand why all foods that are, there's no mitzvah to eat are prohibited on Yom Kippur. But, maybe truma, which is a mitzvah to eat it on the Kohen, maybe you should be able to eat it on Yom Kippur. The emphasis of a double language to afflict yourselves, riba, comes to include even truma. Maybe that's only true of truma that the Kohen doesn't have to eat it. Let's say somebody brought a korban the day before Yom Kippur, and now it's going to become, it's a two-day korban, and it's a leftover meat of a korban, it's going to become notar, it's going to leave it over, so what do we do now? So you might think maybe you should eat it on Yom Kippur, that's why it has to emphasize with the double language that you should afflict yourselves, riba, right? Now the point is, 
So that all this emphasis is on all foods, right? Otherwise, everybody would arrange to have a korban on Erev Yom Kippur for everybody would be eating the meat on Yom Kippur. Maybe another possibility is if you don't like all of these drashot, there's also a pasuk that says, that a person who violates Yom Kippur, I will wipe out their soul. Which means that the, uh, that the inui relates to the soul, meaning it is a, it's a weakening or a, uh, a paining of the soul. And what does that mean? That means re- refraining from eating and drinking is something that causes the soul to feel weaker, that causes the soul to feel denied. So because it's called Inui, so it says, so just like the punishment is, so, so too the abstention is weakening the soul. What is the meaning? Why do you have to give me another pasuk? Didn't you already convince me with Tanuat that it means that you're supposed to abstain from eating and drinking? Why do you need another pasuk? Because maybe you'll think that inui means sexual relations. Because that's why you need the pasuk. That's the That's why you need the pasuk to tell you that that it has to be something that wears down the soul. Because it uh, that's why which means abstaining from eating and drinking. Because you might think it's only abstaining from sexual relations. Because the word inui could sometimes refer to sexual relations. Like um, sometimes it will talk about. Um, le'anot is to uh, to uh, engage in um, like when Lavan says imtanet uh, benotai, right? If you uh, if if you uh, if you torture, so if you afflict my my daughters, which has to do with the sexual relationship. Now, we have here inui, and we have in the pasuk in Sefer Dvarim that talks about the the man. We also have inui, which is where Hashem says uh, when he says. Um, Right, I, I, uh, that I, I, uh, I afflicted you and I made you hungry. Right, so meaning because Hashem says I made you, I afflicted you and I made you hungry. So you see that affliction is hunger. How do you know that we don't learn it from Te'aned Benotai, which refers to sexual relations that Lavan is talking about over there? Because that, in other words, that action is an action that's a private action, and whereas the pub, the, the man was a public action, it was a communal thing. The communal thing was when it says, I'm going to uh, afflict you, it meant with hunger in the, in the, in the desert. Well, the inui that Lavan talked about is personal. It also says that onyeno, like we read in the Haggadah, right, that Hashem saw our suffering, our affliction, and it's talking about Derech Eretz. Derech Eretz doesn't mean people were rude to you in the story. You know, people, there was the inui of Derech Eretz. That doesn't mean that. Derech Eretz means marital relations, right? So what does it mean? That, yeah. So, yeah, marital relations. So the answer is that um, we don't compare the Inui that was uh, inflicted by Hashem through the Mitzrim. Uh, I'm sorry, that was inflicted by the Mitzrim, rather. We don't, in, we don't compare that Inui that was inflicted by the Mitzrim to the Inui that was inflicted by Hashem. The Inui that was inflicted by Hashem was causing us to hunger in the desert so that we learn to depend on Hashem. And the Inui inflicted by the Egyptians involved, you know, disrupting marital life. So we're not going to compare the Inui that we're supposed to keep on Yom Kippur to the Inui that the Egyptians did, that human beings inflicted on us, which was separating us from uh, marital life. We're going to learn from the Inui that Hashem in, uh, inflicted on us, which was the separation from food. So now, obviously, uh, they knew from Trashe Balpeh 
And it's important to know that, and to remember that from Torah Shabbat Peh, obviously they knew that Inui was referring to, Yom, was referring to fasting mainly. And there, there are other examples in the Tanakh where it's used that way. But they're trying to show, they always want to show support from within the Psukim of Tanakh for the idea, uh, for the ideas of the Torah Shabbat Peh. In fact, even the Karaib, even the people who don't accept Torah Shabbat Peh, fa- fast on Yom Kippur and understand that what the Pasuk is talking about is fasting. So it's not really that they had a doubt about it, but they always want to prove and show that their interpretation of Psukim has support from other Psukim, especially a word like Inui, which is, could be vague, it could be general. And so they're trying to show how they knew that that, how you can demonstrate that that's the meaning. Not that they had a doubt that that was the meaning, but how you can demonstrate that it's the meaning. Thank you.